welcome to the Disruptive Voices of the Pacific podcast. My name is Letitia Shelton and I'm excited to be hosting this podcast series. Um, In the next few weeks, months, years, we want to be looking at different stories of stories of those um, who have survived abuse, stories of people addicted to porn. We want to hear the work that is happening around the Pacific to actually help counteract these topics. And so we're going to be diving into uh, many different issues over the coming series, which I'm really looking forward to. Now, just to give you a little bit of information about myself, I live in Australia, actually, in the city of Toowoomba. I've been a pastor here for over 20 years, and also I've pioneered a work that um, comes alongside vulnerable women and girls in our city. And so that's what I've been doing for the last 20 years. So you're probably wondering why uh, someone like me is hosting a podcast on the issues of the Pacific. Well, a little bit of background. When I was 15, my family moved to Fiji and lived in Nasori for one year. My father is a pastor as well. And we went across to help work with the church and also to start a garment factory. I was put in a school, Andy Thackenbauer School, the only white girl in uh, the midst of 500 beautiful Fijian girls. And that year changed my life. It was an amazing experience of um, being in a different culture. It was great to be a minority, to be the only white girl in the school. And I just made the best of friends. I loved every moment of it. Unfortunately, we were only there for one year. I remember asking my dad if I could stay behind, but um, I needed to come back to Australia. So I did come back to Australia. I graduated here. Um, I I kept in touch with some of my ACS friends. And then when Facebook arrived, we all connected again over Facebook. And some of my classmates began seeing the work that I was doing here in my city, helping the vulnerable. And in 2019, one of my classmates messaged me and just asked if I would come back and, and speak at some sessions in Suva. And so I said yes. And it was just during that time in August 2019 that I started listening to the stories of classmates, of different women in churches, of men, and just hearing again and again the stories of abuse. Um, Several of my friends have been through marriage breakups, uh, and it just overwhelmed me just how significant the issue of domestic abuse has become. In this nation, I started doing some of my own research and seeing that Fiji rated fourth highest in the world for Googling pornography. And I could just see a lot of the problems that were coming about. So I went back in 2019 uh, a number of times as I kept getting invited to speak at different events. Um, And then COVID hit. And so during COVID, I decided to write a book because uh, as I became aware of these issues of abuse, I was also aware that there is so much silence and shame Uh, These are taboo issues, aren't they, that we don't like to talk about in the Pacific. We all know that they're happening, but we'd prefer to brush them underneath the carpet and not deal with them. So during COVID, I found 10 Fijian women who were courageous enough to write their stories of abuse. And we compiled a book called The Disruptive Voices of Fijian Women. And um, for the last year, I've been traveling around to Fijian groups right here in Australia, New Zealand. And now that the borders are open, I've been back to Fiji several times this year and have been 
just promoting um, the message of yes, yeah, speaking up around abuse. And so I just want to give a bit of an introduction today um, around uh, what this podcast series will be about and what we're seeking to do. And it's great now this year of really connected with some amazing um, leaders, church leaders, political leaders, non-for-profit leaders in Suva particularly, and we're working together to see how we can make a difference. It's alarming to think that um, the worldwide statistics are that one in three women are abused. However, in the Pacific, it is two in three women. And at the same time in the Pacific Islands, they have the highest church attendance rates. And so there's a big problem when we're all attending church um, and when we're dressing up and, and going along to meetings, but yet we still have huge issues of oppression and injustice. Uh, the church should be on the forefront of um, addressing these issues. Um, the church is about life. Jesus came for life, not death, not for punishment, not for um, abuse. And so this is what we're working on. So just in this introduction podcast, there's three things that we are particularly seeking to disrupt. And I love the word disrupt. Generally, we think of it as a negative word, but I want to use it in the positive light that we want to disrupt the darkness. We want to disrupt the evil, the oppression, the injustice, the abuse. Um, so much of this stuff that goes on in the Pacific, we want to disrupt it and we want to bring in light. We want to bring the peace of Jesus. We want to bring the healing power um, that Jesus wants to bring, not just to victims, but to perpetrators as well. And so we're about disrupting darkness with light. But the first thing that we really need to disrupt is that of silence. Um, and again, as I've talk to my friends in Fiji who have been through these relationships I've been amazed at just that they don't want to speak up and I understand it's not part of your culture to speak up um, to bring shame to bring issues um, and so it's just easier to stay silent about it but our silence is actually incredibly damaging and I talk about a, a scripture passage in the Bible. It's in 2 Samuel where David has two children, Amnon and Tamar. And Amnon, the brother, has actually fallen in love with his sister Tamar. And Amnon says to his father, David, can you send over my sister to bring me breakfast? And um, Tamar had no choice. She had no voice. She was in a family where you had to do what the father said. And so she went over to take in breakfast to Amnon. And as she did, he grabbed her and raped her. It's a terrible story. Uh, but, you know, the Bible is full of these stories because it's real life, isn't it? And as Amnon was raping Tamar, she cried out and said, no, don't do this. Uh, she raised her voice, but again, it wasn't um, taken note of at all. It was ignored, her voice. And Amnon raped her and then discarded her. And the Bible talks about her walking around the streets with ashes on her head weeping. And I always just imagine, imagine if all the little boys and girls in Fiji who have been raped are walking around the streets weeping. Uh, we wouldn't be able to hear uh, anything but a huge cry because there are so many to think that two and three women in Fiji have been raped according to the Fiji Women's Crisis Centre. But the tragedy of this story um, is that when the father finds out David, he's actually silent. He doesn't deal with Amnon 
and um, bring justice to the issue. He doesn't even bring comfort to his daughter. The Bible says he's angry, but he's silent. And uh, that is just a huge um, problem when we when we become aware. And a lot of us, and I hear these stories time and time again, that um, victims went and told adults, but um, the adults in their life were silent. Uh, one young man, Fijian man, told me his story of being abused by his next door neighbour when he was younger. And he told his family, but his family never did anything about it. And he's now in his 30s. And he said, I've recovered from the trauma of abuse, but I haven't recovered from the trauma of the silence of my family. To this day, they still want to pretend that nothing happened. Um, And unfortunately, when we remain silent at the time, we think that we're covering it up. that uh, maybe we can just bring the families together and have the forgiveness ceremony, which is nice, but there's got to be justice. Um, These things have got to be taken, um, especially when they're illegal crimes like that, uh, raping a younger child, they need to be taken to court for that. There must be justice. And when we cover up these issues, it, it comes out somewhere. And so in David's family, because he was silent, there was no justice, it wasn't dealt with, the other brother Absalom ended up killing Amnon later on. Uh, the anger in his life just overcame Absalom and he killed Amnon. And so generally you'll find that even though at the time you're covering it up and there's silence and it's okay, you think, oh, we've gotten away with it, it will come out in some way, shape or form um, in your family. And so when we're being silent, we're a part of the problem. Uh, When we turn our eyes and pretend it's not happening, uh, and I know there's a price to pay, Um, maybe family members will will hate you, will turn on you, But to be silent in the face of evil is more evil than the evil itself. And so we've got to speak up. And that's why I don't apologize for speaking up about these issues. And I'm doing this in my own city in Australia as well um, and across other nations. But uh, I particularly feel a big burden on my heart when it comes to the Pacific nations. Uh, I know it's not cultural to speak up, but we don't live according to Pacific culture. We live according to the kingdom of God culture and the Bible is clear that we must speak up for the oppressed um, and where there is injustice. The second thing we need to disrupt is shame and shame exists because of the silence Um, and there is so much shame and I think that's why we keep silent because we don't want to shame our own family, Uh, we don't want to shame the victim, we don't want to shame our village or our community. Uh, And so we say silent about it. But that's not how Jesus looks down on these matters. And there's an amazing passage of scripture in Matthew chapter 1. It's um, a whole bunch of verses. It's all these names. So Jesus, it's the family tree of Jesus. He got to choose who would be in his family because he is the creator of the earth. You and I didn't get to choose who would be in our family. And some of us probably wish that there were family members that we could chop out. But Jesus actually got to choose who would be in his family. Matthew chapter 1 outlines all these names, 44 names of who he's chosen. And generally, I would just skip over that chapter because I can't pronounce the names and it's boring. (laughs) But then I began to look deeper into the women. There's five women among all those men. And these five women, um, the first one is Bathsheba. And she was taken by King David and raped, essentially. 
Then you have Tamar, a prostitute who disguised herself. Well, she was a woman who disguised herself as a prostitute to sleep with her father-in-law to become pregnant. And that's a whole other story. You have Ruth and she was a Moabite and the Moabites' ancestry started because of incest. And then you have Rahab who was a prostitute and hid the two spies. And then lastly is Mary. And Mary was became a pregnant teenager. And so all these five women have huge shame in their life, uh, whether it was caused by their own choices or somebody else, but they carry shame. And Jesus didn't just discard them or hide over um, their shame. He actually put them right in the middle of his family tree. And uh, they were part of the lineage of Jesus. And he, he said, I'm not ashamed of them. I love the mess. And until we can bring uh, the mess into the light, there is no redemption. And so because Jesus put them in his family, uh, they all have amazing redemptive stories of how God turned their pain uh, into greatness and, uh, and they all had a future. And so this is what happens when we take things out of darkness and into light. And as long as we cover up issues of abuse or pornography or any type of sin, the, the enemy continues to have power and hold over our lives and um, we just never become free and we live with it all our lives. And what a tragedy to live for years and years and years carrying this shame. And so something powerful happens as we begin to speak up. And what I loved in uh, writing the disruptive voices of Fijian women, that as these women were putting their stories on paper, many of them for the first time, they would email me and just say, thank you, Letitia, for giving me the opportunity. Um, a lot of them, it was the first time they were ever speaking up about it. Uh, the healing that has come into their life, some of them have been able to go on and get more counselling. Um, and so it's just amazing that what happens when they step out of the shadows of shame and into light, freedom comes. A few of them have now been coming around with me when I'm in Fiji and speaking publicly and they're just no longer hiding in the shame uh, and nor should they because that is what Jesus died on the cross. <laughs> to live in shame is to deny the power of what Jesus has done on the cross for us. And so we must disrupt this and um, bring out our shame into light. And yes, there's uh, a time and a place and we have to be wise who we share this with and some, some things we don't share with everyone. But unfortunately, Fiji and the Pacific Islands, everyone seems to be related and it's so small and we find out something about someone and then we begin to gossip and we look down on them and we judge them. Let's stop that. It's time that we get around each other and when we find out that people have been through uh, tragedies or issues or even perpetrators, let's release uh, the forgiveness. Yes, there's consequences, especially if you were a perpetrator, but let's release um, the forgiveness of Jesus and get around and support each other rather than judge and pull each other down. So we're disrupting silence, we're disrupting shame and the last thing we need to disrupt is religion. You know, there were a certain group of people in the Bible that Jesus spoke the most harshest to. And it was a group of people called the religious leaders, the Pharisees. Uh, and when I talk about being religious, I'm talking about the people who just want to have the outward appearance, like they've got life together. But underneath, um, there is a whole lot of sin going on. And unfortunately, this is happening in the Pacific because when they have the highest 
abuse rates, but the highest church attendance rates. That means that um, <laughs> there's a whole lot of people living two lives. We we put on our Sulus and our nice dresses and we go and we sing and we're in the choir and we go to Bible study and we pray, but then we're living um, a, a life that's addicted to porn or we're abusing our wife or we're being silent about what's going on in our family. And this becomes religious. Um, and Jesus didn't die on the cross for us to be religious. He wants us to have a relationship with him that is real, that is honest, that seeks to get help, that talks about our issues, uh, that walks in the freedom of Jesus. Um, and again, there's another powerful story in the Bible, Luke 7. And Jesus is invited to the house of a Pharisee, Simon. And Simon thought he was pretty good because he was having Jesus over for dinner and some of his other friends. And the Bible talks about this immoral woman busting into the dinner. And, um, she, you know, she disrupted the dinner and fell at the feet of Jesus and began to weep because she knew she had heard about this Jesus who accepts her the way she is. See, when you walk with Jesus, he says you belong first and then you learn how to behave. Religious people want people to behave and then you belong. If you behave the right way, then you can be part of us. But Jesus says, no, I'll take you. While you're still a sinner, I come to you. I forgive you. Yes, there's grace and yes, there's consequences, but come to me. And so she had found out about Jesus who just accepts her the way she is. And she ran to his feet and began to weep. And Jesus didn't scold her or tell her to get her act together. He sat there in her pain with her. And then the Bible says that Simon had a thought. Simon in his head was thinking, if this man was really a prophet, he would know the type of woman uh, sitting at his feet. Um, and Jesus, because he is God, he could hear Simon's thoughts and he actually turned around and gave Simon a bit of a, a message then after that um, because Jesus is not interested in us sitting back and judging everyone else. He wants us to run into the mess, uh, to be a part of it. And so we, we shouldn't be afraid of it. And um, we've got to break this religiosity that says I'm better than you and I've got my life together and my family's better than you or my village. The truth is uh, we all have issues and we all have problems. And the sooner we realize that and walk alongside each other, the better. Um, I just want to finish with a story because I think, again, this sums up um, what I'm saying. But when I was... Here in Australia, here in my city, we run a ministry that goes to the sex workers. We um, go into our brothel and our strip clubs and our massage parlours and we just want to build relationship with those beautiful women because they deserve all the dignity and honour and value, uh, even though we don't agree with what they're doing. And when I was in Fiji in 2020, right before COVID hit, I'd heard that one of the prostitutes on your streets had been killed because they're out on the streets. Um, and so I began to ask as I was speaking, who is helping the prostitutes? Who's reaching out to them, assuming that Christians would be out there because that's where Jesus is. <laughs> true, true Christianity is always uh, to the vulnerable, to the broken, to the hurting. Anyway, finally one lady said, our prayer group are praying for them. And I thought, well, that's lovely. Um, and so I, I kind of cheekily asked her, well, what are their names? And she said, oh, we don't know their names. And I said, so you haven't at least stopped, you know, on Rewa Street where they all stand out at night and asked, hey, we're praying for you. What are their names? She, she looked at me a bit weird. 
I said, why don't we go this Saturday night and pick up some of them and just take them out for coffee and hear their story. And she looked a bit nervous, but she said, okay. Um, however, unfortunately, she was unavailable because by, by Saturday she told me she had um, women's group on. Um, we're so busy doing Bible study and prayer meetings that we don't have time to go out, out onto the streets, which is another problem. So I found one of my ACS classmates who was willing to come with me and about, you know, um, 10 o'clock at night we set, set out down Rewa Street and um, stopped on the corner and asked two beautiful young women if they would like to come out for coffee with us and they were a little bit tentative but eventually they um, got in the car and we went down to the Holiday Inn and I just said, girls, so why are you doing this? Um, why are you here on the streets? And both of them were just single mums trying to put food on the table. They hated what they were doing. Again, they were living a double life. <laughs> they didn't want their family to know, but they were just, it was survival. You know, here in Australia, if you're a single mum, our government gives you money. Uh, there's a lot of different handouts and things that you can um, get. It's still tough, but you, you're generally looked after. But, you know, in a lot of third world countries, um, you don't get these these handouts from the government. So they're just trying to keep their kids alive. And uh, we had a great conversation. Um, but, you know, the next morning I had to preach at a church in Suva, you know, and it's actually religious <laughs> for us just to be in our homes or churches praying for these people when they're 100 metres down the road and we don't actually turn up to see why, why they're there, what are their stories, what do they need. Uh, as the church, we are called to the, um, the widow, the orphan, the oppressed. The Bible talks again and again what is, what is real Christianity. It's going to those who need. And for us just to sit and pray for them um, actually becomes really religious without us actually going and finding out what their needs are. Um, and so since then, we've been able to form a group that are regularly out on the streets, um, just befriending these beautiful women. Um, and so it's just amazing. But So let's break through that religious attitude that keeps us away from the mess. Jesus always ran towards. Uh, he was always around those people who were broken and hurting. Uh, that's who he died for. He came for the sick. <laughs> he came to set the captives free. Um, and he's come to us, each one of us, and he wants to use us now to, to go into those places and disrupt the darkness. Um, as I finish, I just want to read some alarming statistics out to, to you. Um, in Fiji, this is the year 2020, from January to May, um, there were 177 rape cases reported. Now, those are the ones that are just reported. There are so many more cases that go unreported. Um, there were 32 rapes a month, one a day. 94 victims had more than one case. 88% were female and six were male. So yes, um, males, unfortunately, get abused and raped as well. Half of the, those who were raped um, were raped by someone they knew. And 70% of the victims were under the age of 18. Uh, I'm alarmed every time that I go to Fiji. I love coffee. I usually start my day with a coffee and I read the Fiji Times. And I'm alarmed by the amount of grandfathers who are raping their granddaughters. It seems to be in the paper every week. Um, and so much of that is fueled by pornography, which we're going to be addressing um, in different uh, podcasts coming up as well. So this is, there's a crisis going on. There is a crisis. Um, in, there's a crisis in my nation. 
um, but across the Pacific even more. Um, at least in Australia, we are really starting to speak up and there is a lot of help. Um, in the Pacific, there's a long way to go. There's some good people doing good things, but uh, we need everyone, <laughs> everyone to um, be on board with this. It's just not for the few. And I actually believe the church should be leading the way. Um, if we're representing Jesus, this is where Jesus would be, uh, right in the midst of um, this crisis. And so... The challenge for us is to disrupt silence, to disrupt the shame that we carry in our own lives or our families, uh, to disrupt the religion. We're not just going to play games of turning up to church or prayer or Bible study, but living uh, our life um, in the total opposite. Jesus has come. He's set us free. He's died on the cross. Um, and there is great hope. And so I look forward to uh, being on this journey with you all. I hope you'll tune in, spread the word. Um, and just be ready for some great stories and interviews coming up. God bless you all. Easily I see your suffering I see the pain Beneath that bull of smile Come out from hiding The sun is rising let the islands hear reason lay cry.